Middle Cough! Hey, Rick! John, congratulations to us for being for holding the most desired jobs among the youth. YouTubers, vloggers. So this is where kids come join us. I, I I do think that the power, the things kids are gonna like if they just spend a ton of time. When we were a kid, you could not have aspired to be a video game player. It just wasn't even an option. If you, if I would have told eight year you, eight year old you, if you were playing, you know, Super Nintendo, hey bro, you're able to do this for a living. I remember I used to tell people like, what do you want to do for a living? I'd be like, dentist, like dentist, doctor, lawyer. I remember like people like riding bikes, and then you'd watch like the X Games. You're like, can I do that? Then you realize like I'm afraid to jump. But like, it's just so many things that you realize. I think if you're a kid, you're like, God, these guys are doing this for a living. Like it's pretty. It's just hit you across the face now. Like this is these guys' jobs. You see other kids doing it. That's the other thing. You see other kids doing it, right? It's one thing. Yeah. Like I don't think I haven't checked the metrics on YouTube in the eight-year-old category. I don't think most of our viewers are hardly any of our viewers are eight-year-olds, right? The eight-year-olds are watching other eight-year-olds. For people that didn't see, there was someone. Where did this list come from? You sent it to me, and then I saw it take I, over the. Internet. I actually think the more I looked at it, I think it's just completely made up. It just went viral. Top ten jobs kids want, even if it is made up. Did you see PFT commenter was like, wait a second, why is Number eight, athlete slash teacher. Do kids just want to be PE teachers? <laughs> yeah, it, it, that that to me is the red flag where this thing's made up. Uh, Un- unless they have the same percentage. Like 8% of people want to be Okay, teachers, that would make some sense if there was an 11.9% tie. You know what? You might be right. That's That, that might be it. Um, musician, singer. Okay, actor was number four. Okay, doctor, nurse was number six. After filmmaker, filmmaker feels... But I get it. People are, everyone's shooting stuff on their phone. Everything you put on TikTok is your filmmaker. So maybe that, I don't know. Yeah, I, I could see that. The other thing I thought. Con- content, content creator. Content creator. The other thing I thought looking at this list was how about the stranglehold that YouTube has? Like number one was not video maker. Like you said, number one was not content creator. Number one was YouTuber. Yeah. YouTuber. I think that number is going to dramatically grow over the next five years. You and I talk about it a lot. I don't even think the average person realizes how much YouTube they watch and wait until you're actually watching it consistently on your television as the big cable dies. Well, because any, uh, my, my new TV in my, in my room, the uh, smart TV, mm-hmm. all I do, I don't have any plugs in it beside the power cord and then it connects to the internet. Like on my scroll of apps, YouTube, like I could just watch YouTube. Well, I, uh, I've i been thinking about it a lot because it's getting time. We might be close to a new TV here in the Haberman house or a couple. And uh, I just I was thinking about it last night. Like, I know you told me you did it in for one of your TVs. It's like, how much delay am I willing to live with to be able just to get rid of these boxes, to be able to not. It's not just that you pay 20 bucks for the box, right? It's also that it just it's there. It's like it has to be connected. It's like in the way it's ugly. The other thing on this list, top 10 kids jobs, TV presenter. It makes me think that if this list is real, it's European because that's what they call it like in Europe is TV presenter. Would that be like uh, Drew Carey on The Price is Right now? Yeah, I think so. Drew has yeah. got a... Did you see? I flipped on... The, I saw The Price is Right Monday because I start... Now when the tournament comes around, you see whatever's on CBS or 
True yeah, TV. 8.30 in the morning. Drew's got like, first of all, he's wearing like these goggles glasses. They look like motorcycle goggles as glasses. He's got a huge beard, not wearing a tie anymore. They're really loosening things up on uh, the prices, right? Since I had chicken pox and washed for two weeks straight. I'd imagine the views have diminished greatly given the options people have when they're stuck at home. Yeah. Right. I, I would say it was you were if you were looking for something to watch at 10 a.m. on a weekday, it used to be you were just stuck. You had three options. It was CBS, ABC or NBC or like some infomercials or something. Yeah. I mean, you were Judge Judy. now. I, I can't even imagine the amount of kids are like, Mom, I'm sick. I'm, I'm down for the week. I mean, you could just keep yourself entertained for fucking days. We were screwed. Sometimes you'd be like, this is boring. I'm ready to go back. To I, know. I remember being sick and be like, this sucks. I'd rather be at sucks. school. I don't think you'd say that now. The, my, the most price, price is right I ever watched was legitimately when I had chicken pox in 1993. All right, John. A lot going on, guy. They, uh, you know, I'm already going through a little bit of withdrawals Tuesday. You know, having the tournament on Monday, pretty special. Uh, kind of sucks today. You turn on television, there's nothing on. How great was that? It was incredible. There was just no way around it. The, the NCAA tournament, even in games that are sneaky, kind of not great, are still very watchable, I find. Like the USC game. They were kicking their ass, and I was just glued. Right, because you know, you're especially because you're watching high-level play, you're watching, you're like, I just want to watch Evan Mobley, right? And part of it is watching like a really, you know, I'd say Bill Self, what's he the equivalent of like, maybe not Saban, but I mean, he's he's up there, of just watching him shell-shocked. There's something in the tournament with totally. watching high-level coaches like... We are getting boat raced, and there's not nothing I can do. There's a clip of him just kind of sitting there in the chair, and there's like a, you know 12 minutes left in the game, maybe more. Um, what would you say KU is top three college job? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a basketball school, right? In a football league, kind of Kentucky-ish basketball yeah. school in a football league. I mean it's hard to so, be so, it's hard to get. Someone that. had someone had DM'd me a while back with an idea with like a half-baked idea of why doesn't a conference like the Big 12 kick out like its bottom two shitty programs and KU was one of the ones they mentioned for like SMU and Houston to like get the football conference better. Mm -hmm. And I said, I hear what you're saying, but using KU as the example, their worth in basketball, they don't give a shit. Like their football team could just not play every week. They don't care, right? They earn the conference money in basketball. They are... They are the Oklahoma in basketball and equal cash for all the other schools, right? They earn their way. Yeah, they do. Because their football program is embarrassingly bad. Yeah. Didn't you really call bad. a game? I did. Year? Yeah. They, How uh, terrible. They, they almost beat Texas Tech. One of the best defensive performances of the year by the uh, Kansas Jayhawks. But they've actually got a really good corner. Keep an eye out for him in the next couple of years in the draft. Didn't they just fire Les Miles? Les is gone. Yes. Les is gone. What what did the Oregon State president just resign for? He just resigned too. See, he was part of the LSU hierarchy when Les when they were covering up Les's uh the allegations against Les. So that to me always when there's like collateral damage like that, and then you know, the football coach and obviously you know, uh, Tinkle now. Like those guys are like kind of got it together, and then all of a sudden the president leaves who's in charge of hiring the AD. It's like a trickle down effect. You're like, holy shit. You know, things are going well. Now Now we're getting a new president. Who knows where that guy comes from? Maybe he has a new guy. You just got to hit on somebody I, I, have an, I, I have an agent buddy that is involved with coaches that says, like, 
Like when Tennessee comes open, they're like, yeah, we, we tell our clients to stay away from that one. So it's like, what do you think they say to Kansas? Mm-hmm. Right. Or even like Auburn comes up. It's like, yeah, there's well, that's, got some obstacles. But they should hire the guy. There was like a high school coach in Kansas. Well, yeah. Who, who that's never what I'm punts. Saying. Who never punts. He told them he would take the job. They would only have to pay him per win. Like $90,000 per win. <laughs> I would I would do that. That's pretty risky. <laughs> yeah, it's really risky. <laughs> I would then uh, for sure put like three non, you know, uh, FCS or whatever the fucking conference is called. Yeah. Schools on your schedule. <laughs> yes. I'd be a little worried, though. Yeah. It's like a Richard Sherman contract. Uh, go. Yeah. I prove it. <laughs> go subscribe. You may already be subscribed on iTunes. Get in the mailbag. Leave us a review in that review. Leave a question. And that's how you get in the iTunes mailbag. John. Uh, and while you're there, listen to Merton Hanks, who was on the podcast early in the week. Yeah, go check it out. Leave a, leave a question for the mailbag. And check out the YouTube page. Hey, Room Middle Cop YouTube page. Put, uh, put all of our content up there. Also have some separate content. A lot of content. Content, content, content. A lot of, yeah, a lot of content. And we got to. Um, we should probably go live again at some point soon there on the uh, YouTube, the old YouTube yeah. channel. Let's do it. Okay. Podcast brought to you by MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. Yep, mybookie.ag, promo code HAM, and the number one. We have the Sweet 16. It's now set, guy. Uh, unless there's a COVID outbreak, and then immediately the higher seed just moves on. That happened in the first round of the tournament. I, except me, I feel like no one thought that was a big deal. It's like, how's that fucking fair? I, I guess you got to do it, just the higher seed moves on. But mybookie.ag, get your gamble on. Uh, Oregon, USC, that's really intriguing game. Uh there's some golf you can gamble on starting tomorrow. You can just bet on the matchups, just straight up. You can bet on the overall winner, which to me, I, I'm not going to do this week just because you got to go through pods and then you got to go Sweet 16. It's it's very, very difficult. Uh, baseball's right around the corner. I, I think I saw someone tweet yesterday like 10 or 11 days away from uh, first opening day. You want to gamble on some futures, uh, Dodgers, Yankees. You know, you've been watching any baseball lately? I haven't really. You know, I started I started watching some spring training a couple weeks ago when it started. And then, you know, I haven't watched it since because I'm spring training now. I'm ready for the real thing. You get pretty good odds. I guess the Nets right now are the favorites to win the NBA championship. Uh, the Lakers technically still are. Uh, you get the Sixers like 14 to 1. It's pretty good odds if Embiid comes back. That's really good. Like I wouldn't touch the Lakers. They're an injury away from being done. I think the Nets win the title. You get them basically three to one, or the Sixers fourteen to one. Basically, if you're betting on the Sixers, you're just like betting on them to beat the Nets in the Eastern Conference Championship, right? Yeah, and then you got a shot. You got a really good shot. I actually might put a hundred bucks on that. It's fourteen to one. That's pretty good odds. But they they are an injury away. You'd be in trouble if the big guy went down. You also got the NFL draft props, which are available. Second overall pick, third overall pick. How many QBs? Will there be four? You can you can bet plus seven hundred that the first four picks are all quarterbacks. Um, over under four and a half quarterbacks in the uh, first round. You know I didn't know about this, John. Somebody hit me up the other day and said that what they love doing is betting first team to five or first team to ten in a basketball game. Like that sounds like a roller coaster. Because I do. That find, that's a great. I watch a game and it takes me a while. Like let's you know the score is four to two and I want to I want to rev it up. Um, can I, can I, I'm going to throw out a couple games that just jump off right now. I just went to the Sweet 16 lines. UCLA 2-1 to one money line to beat Alabama. That doesn't seem that crazy. Is Alabama really that good? 
Uh, I think they are really good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nate Oates. Uh, have you noticed, by the way, that Nate Oates wears, not everyone wears a suit. Hardly any coaches wear suits these days. Nate Oates, who coaches at Nick Saban School, wears a suit. I don't think that's an accident. Yeah, I, I do think Nick has made them a little Augusta National Masters-like in that place. That There's a standard that, let's face it, is just higher than every other building in America beside probably like uh, Google uh, Apple and the Patriots <laughs> and the Patriots don't even, and th- those don't have dress codes. Like one time someone that worked for Nick Saban said the maddest he ever saw Nick was something Lane did at practice or maybe McElwain, something that happened at practice and Nick stormed out of his office. This was how mad that he described him. He didn't have shoes on and he's like, <laughs> I knew he was pissed. He was walking around socks. <laughs> the coaches I've been around Pat Hill and Andy Reid. I would say it was non-practice, especially off days. It was more likely to see them walking around in socks. Now, these guys are L.A. guys. than right. Like, Nick does not come out of his office guy without clothes. And I'm not talking – he doesn't walk around the office in practice clothes. He changes. Good, good call by you. I like that. I, I just think – I've heard Nato talk about how much he admires Nick. Of course, every coach. Um, but – and specifically, Nick's a big basketball fan. So, okay. Uh, uh, go uh, Again, I think – UCLA, that might might be value, but Alabama is very well, guy, good. The, in the you know in the offseason? Casey Jacobson told me Alabama is his second favorite team in the tournament behind Gonzaga. In the offseason, they play basketball three times a week. Nick on his team is the all-time point guard with the other coaches. The all-time point <laughs> it, guard. And I guess when Avery Johnson was the coach for Alabama, Avery always had to be on his team. <laughs> so Nick is just like football recruiting. Yeah, he ain't fucking trying Nick to is the first pick. I mean, he takes it pretty seriously. Nick like Nick loves playing playing basketball for sure. What else you got? Uh, that's it. My oh, I thought you had AG some games in Sweet Sixteen. You like? You uh, uh, yeah. But the, well, I I guess I'm I was looking for pretty big underdogs, but beside Creighton Gonzaga, you realize most of these teams are pretty good. So it's like two to one is about as good as you're going to get money line. I like. I'll tell you, uh, Florida State, Michigan. I, I watch Michigan. I mean, I don't think there's some dominant program. Florida State's good. Like Florida yeah. State's really good. Watching them against Colorado the other day. I think Oregon beats SC, and they're getting points right now. Is that kind of weird to you that they're underdogs? No. I mean, SC just looked pretty dominant against Kansas. SC beat them the first time by a large margin. SC's really good. I mean, it's like if that game was – if you asked me to guess the line on that game, I would have said I think it's a pick So, yeah, two, one. So, I just think Oregon's really well coached. They've been in this – Oregon's been in the Sweet 16 four out of the last five years. Obviously, last year didn't count. Didn't exist. But – no one's given Tinkle a shot against Loyola. Six-point underdog. Well, Loyola's really good. Number one defensive team in the country. SC Oregon, by the way. Finally, some respect for the West Coast, John. Jim Nance, Bill Rafferty, Grant Hill, Tracy Wolfson. I just saw on that broadcast. Hot take, Grant Hill sucks. Grant, uh, I haven't seen... I don't know if I've noticed a Grant game this year. Is he? Yeah, oh, just, he was with Brian Anderson. He just... He's like Tony Dungy of basketball. So it's like that's... Grant, like to me, certain people just shouldn't be doing this. Like Grant should be working in business. Should be doing, he's not a personality. It's like, that's just, it's just bleh. like Rafferty. Like I, I know what I'm getting. I it's excited. Like it's just bleh. <laughs> bleh. I, and I like Grant. I mean, I grew up fucking idol. I mean, Sprite, I want, the, the shoes, I feel he's just it, terrible broadcaster. I mean, it's just bottom line. I'll lock in on that game and I'll, I'll give you my, I'll, I'll lock in and listen to, uh, why do they need a third person? Just help. like let Jim and Rafferty do it by themselves. Isn't that enough? You agree? Hasn't there? Grant been on the final four before? 
Well, yeah, he's been doing it a while now. I think they're just trying to get younger, but it's like, it's very age discriminatory. Reverse? Not really reverse. Well, no, I mean, they're trying to like kind of, you know, push the older guy out and get the younger guy in. They do the opposite with the NBA with Hubie. Hubie just gets to do it by himself. He's like 97. Yeah, I did. I talked to Earl Watson once. He told me Hubie's the smartest basketball person he's ever met. No one disputes his intelligence. I just, you know. He's still a good communicator. Yeah, he's 88. (laughs) Yeah, it's incredible. (laughs) All right, John, let's dive in. Big pod. Here we go. Let's rank the top three receivers in this NFL draft. Mel Kuyper. People still comment on our videos and say, did you guys have Mel Kuyper on the podcast? Believe it or not, John, Mel Kuyper was on the podcast and he had Devontae Smith as his number one receiver. You liked the comp he had for him. We can get to that in a second. Alabama had its pro day. Devontae weighed 170? 170. 170. As I saw uh, on Twitter, it's better than 169. Is it though? I would think uh, Twitter would prefer 169. <laughs> so, uh, has the pro day. Um, Mel did his mock draft, his 3.0. He actually had Jamar Chase first off the board at six to the Eagles. That might be a team match. Not so much that he's changed who he thinks his number one receiver is. Then he had Devante, uh, and Jalen Waddle, boom, boom, going right after Daniel Jeremiah had Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase ahead of Devante Smith at, on his big board. How do you see it right now? What 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 should uh, what should all of our big boards look like when it comes? Well, to I get first. I want to give you props for uh, they put Mel's behind a paywall, and clearly you pay for it and uh, support the paywall. So uh, good good job on you. Yeah, clearly that's the only explanation. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I would I would have Devonte Smith three. I would have him second on his own team. And I want to start by saying something. There's this misconception. Like, if you put a guy in the second round, like if you guys say a guy is a second round pick, it's like, oh my God, the disrespect. I'm not saying Devontae Smith's a second round pick. There's nothing wrong with going in the second round. There's nothing wrong than going in the late teens or the 20s. It happens to elite players all the time. One of the best defensive players in the league right now, TJ Watt, went in the 20s. CD Lamb, which I think has a chance when the dust settles to be the best wide receiver of last year's class was like the third guy off the board went 17 to the Cowboys. So it's like, just because you don't go four doesn't mean we see it all the time. Now, for that individual, it means less money, right? There was a big difference for Lamar Jackson going at 32 than going at 10, right? Josh Rosen is way richer. Maybe Lamar, maybe we'll start to see commercials and stuff with Lamar. But right now, Josh Rosen, NFL-wise, has made a lot more money because of his draft slot. But it doesn't determine your success, I mean, the NFL is a great example of that just in general, right? With how many undrafted free agents make the league. But Kenny Galladay, who just signed uh, $75 million and 40 guaranteed. guaranteed. Was, you told me a third rounder. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you, you can cash in. Uh, I, I think it's pretty simple to me. I, I think when we look at outliers, and let's use, let's use quarterbacks for that recently, like Kyler, I think, and Baker are kind of outliers. Are they ever going to live up to being true what you expect out of number one picks? I think the jury's out, right? I mean, Baker probably is a really good role player. Kyler, there's going to be a ton of pressure on him this season. Like, we just start, oh, it's cool to have like a five, nine quarterbacks. Is it really? Like, I'm cool with not having immobile quarterbacks, but I still need my guy to be pretty fucking big. And I think with Devontae Smith, relative to the other guys, Justin Jefferson was arguably a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL last year, let alone his rookie class. He was the most productive. I mean, at one point in time, he was on a pace to like have the best rookie wide receiving class ever. 
And this guy was dramatically better than him the year they were both on the same team. Yeah. On a team that, you know, had a first round running back to the Chiefs, had obviously Justin Jefferson, Burrow was the number one overall. This guy was better. If all and, three of these guys had come out last year, let's say last year's class didn't exist, and Chase had just played that year at LSU, he would have been the first guy taken, right? I don't even think Chase would have made it out of the top 10 guy. Like based on that season, just coming into the draft. I mean, you're saying even if last year's class, he was in last year's receiver class. Yeah, I just think he goes in the top ten. He was that dominant. Now, how this is not normal, right? A guy sitting out a season. I don't know totally how that's going to impact them, but I don't think it's that much (laughs) because we've talked a lot about the opt outs. There, the outliers for the opt-outs are the elite guys. Like if Panay Sewell would have came out last year, he would have gone in the top five. If Jamar Chase would have came out last year, he would have gone in the top ten. I'm sticking with Jamar Chase. I like Jalen Waddle more than Devontae Smith. I thought he was better when they were both on the field. Remember early on when you and I bet them against Mississippi and leading up to that game, he was the guy that Sark had really built the offense around. Then he shatters his leg on a kickoff return. And then they just put all their chips in the middle of the table on Devontae. And there's nothing. Devontae's a great player, too. And he went on to just have this stupid season, won the Heisman. But DJ has tweeted this before. Heisman trophies don't determine your draft status. They really have zero impact in a draft room. So I would go. And there's this is not a, a slight at Devontae Smith having those two guys over him. He still could go in the top 15, right? Like, I, I think Jamar Chase goes in the top 10. I think that... Jalen Waddle goes somewhere between like eight to fifteen, and then I think Devontae Smith's right in that range too. I I, yeah. I just could not draft in the top fifteen a, a wide receiver worse that weighs one hundred and seventy pounds. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a great player. It just means in the history of the league, there's been a less than a handful of those guys that have dominated. Well, if he goes in the top fifteen, that means he's still going. That's where Jerry Judy went, right? That's where the second receiver last year was drafted. So. That's really high, considering that all those guys that came after 15, most of them were really, really good last year. Now, I and, and, and the year before, remember, you and I were looking at it before the show. The first wide receiver off the board was Hollywood, who went like 25. So, yeah. like, if you go 16, I think if you just wrote this on Twitter, like, I think Devontae Smith is going 16th in the draft. People would be like, hater! It's like, that's a bad thing? Nikhil went in the first round. Round two... In 19 was, I'm not going through last year's because we've talked about that one a million times, but all those, it was like 15 guys, 14 of them are nailed picks basically to this point. The second round of 19 was Debo, A.J. Brown, McCole Hardman, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, and D.K. Metcalf was the last pick of the second round. Terry McLaurin went in the third round. 2018, D.J. Moore, Calvin Ridley were first rounders, D.J. Chark a second rounder. I think this is part of the reason why, it's kind of a separate thing, but this is part of the reason why Juju Smith is getting $8 million, Schuster, right? I, at this, I don't know how you could look around right now if you're an NFL team. When you, look at the, when you look at the talent that's coming into the NFL draft, just like last year, we're talking about three elite, elite receivers. And then the other guy from uh, – who was the guy that ran a 4-2 on Tuesday? 4-2-8 or whatever the number was? Kyle Pitts? No, no. The oh, other oh the, little, the little guy from Purdue? Yeah, from Purdue. Yeah, more. Um, huh? The little guy that looks like a little tank. For, yeah, well, what, what, what did he run? But um, I just don't know how, if you're a team, you could you could spend... I would I would rather take my risk on Devontae Smith than to throw a bunch of money at a guy in free agency right now when you have so many other 
so many other places you can use that money given the production, the immediate production you can get. But uh, I, but I think, but guys, specifically on Devontae Smith, like you listed a lot of players, like Devontae doesn't look like those players that have had success. Right, and I I heard this morning Rondale Moore. To Deshaun, Sorry, that's the receiver to to Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun was like a four one guy. I mean, it was stupid how fast his play speed was. Un, he was unstoppable. Now you can give me well, no one ever catches, you know, uh, Devontae Smith. Did you see a forty time on him today? Did he even work out? Uh, he didn't run. So yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't necessarily have to, but. I'd have to know, like, how fast are you? Like, I know you're fast on tape, but are you a four four eight guy? Because I, here's what I know: Why did Moore run? Because he knows he's fast as fuck. Four two nine, always, John. Do you know who nine. always runs? Fast guys. Do you think Henry Ruggs would have been like, "No, nah, I'm good running"? You always want to run. It was a huge mistake Lamar Jackson made. Like Lamar, you are a runner. Run. <laughs> there's there's a reason. Like when, when I go home. My brother's dog Bailey loves to run. Why? She's a thoroughbred lab. Like, if I'm a speed guy, I, I never understand. Like, I understood why Keenan Allen didn't want to run when he was coming out. Because he's going to run like a 4.8. Crabtree's like, no, I'm good. Like, I, I get it. But when you're a speed guy, you got to run. Devontae, his problem is he's kind of in the middle. Like, he's kind of considered like those elite speed guys, but he's not as fast as them. And he knows, and, and I'm not saying it's not good business to not run. It's probably smart. Because if he does run a 4.49, it's like, wait, I'm taking a guy that weighs 170 pounds that runs a 4.49? It's one thing if he runs a 4.21, right? You're like, okay, he's the fastest guy in the country. Right. But that's can't not get the hit case. If he can't get caught. No. Yeah. I would imagine. I think, I think he's probably, his success this year was eye-opening. And they dominated. I would imagine he's one of the more polarizing guys in draft rooms just with his size, but his great production. But like, how good is he going to be in the NFL? And look who Mel uh, compared him to on our podcast was not a Deshaun Jackson, not a guy like that. He compared him to Marvin Harrison, who when I think Marvin Harrison, I think of like more the modern day, like Jerry Rice, like this unreal route runner who was just getting you like 110 catches a year. And like, if, if that's Mar- Marvin Harrison, a first bout Hall of Famer, you know, that's so your, your outlier is going to turn into a first bout Hall of Famer. That's see, that's where you get down this slippery slope where it's like, I, I like when you just compare a guy like, who's this guy like? You're just like, oh, Allen Robinson or <laughs> right, right. Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, and great. Like, and then I you have know, someone, I have someone in the league in the like, top 10. Exactly. I have someone in the league like, who's Kenny Galladay like? And they're like, oh, he's kind of like a younger Alshon. It's just very black and white comparison. You're like, okay. I'm not expecting Jerry Rice or Marvin Harrison. Right. 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 Because like when Ruggs was drafted, people were like, you know, it's got a little Deshaun. Right. And it's like you're watching. You're like, I don't quite see Deshaun yet. <laughs> Deshaun but flash. When you do these comps, it's like, who's he like? It's like mixture of LeBron James meets Curry. Well, it's like, always. That's so unfair. I know. It's always that way. But it's uh, raw. That's a media thing. You get you get ripped in a draft room if you say that because it's not true. You got to have more realistic. It's also comps. what players love to say. Players are never like, you know, I'm uh, I'm a lot like uh, uh, who's the guy who's the guy from the Rockets who's who like played in Europe for eight years and now just like hits three Tucker. Yeah, like guys don't compare themselves to that. They'll compare themselves to, you know, oh, I'm like a mix of clay and, uh, you know, the best defensive player in the league at a given time. That's just it's the way guys think. But but I'm, I I don't I don't hold a player's comp for himself. I hold no, but I don't hold the media's comp either. 
Well, the me- the media has no clue what they're talking about on. This yeah, stuff I mean that's why that's why you know we always joke. I I loved it when I found it out. We you and I always used to joke about cross racial comps. Like you you, you can't. He's got to if he's a white guy, you got to compare to a black guy, vice versa. Uh, but it's hard when we're talking about you know like uh, Danny Amendola. It's always like Julian Edelman. Um, but more that was more apparently I found this out. I read this the other day that that Maury did that early in the Rockets tenure. It was like you cannot compare a guy. If you're going to have a comp for him, he can't just look like the other guy because that's how we make mistakes. If somebody just reminds us of somebody else, we say that's who they play like. Well, it doesn't necessarily work like that. What if I said, like, who's Jalen Waddle like? I was like, oh, Jordy Nelson coming out of K-State. Yeah, it's hard. But that'd be that'd be a great comp. People be like, what? And then you look at Jordy Nelson, you'd be like, yeah, they're like five or six Pro Bowls or whatever he went to. I don't know if he went to that many, but. It's hard. It'd be hard for corners. Like, ah, Jason Seahorn again. Oh. Well, they, they, they don't exist. And, and honestly, at, at wide receiver, they don't really exist. They're just, there aren't many wide outside guys. Um, uh, Dustin Fox. What? Dustin Fox. Good call. One thing, it'll be interesting. I think Friday is Zach Wilson's pro day. I'll be interested to see John as he, you know, he's listed at like 6'3", 210. Is he or is he closer to an outlier? <laughs> Is he 6'1", 204? 6'3", 210? Yeah. I mean, 6'3", is what Justin Fields is, right? So well, I, is he going to measure, what if he measures in at 6'0"? Six, six six oh, yeah, well, how does it go? Like 6005 or something, right? Yeah, it'd be like 6006. It's in like quarters of an inch. So, I mean, that's that. like he might turn out to be an outlier. So you're going to go he's small and he athleticism's part of his deal. Like, are you taking that guy number two or number three? You know, I, I think that's going to be the same conversation with him. Well, it's like Russell Wilson once measured in at 5'11", and at his pro day, his you know, notoriously got a standing ovation from the scouts because they were just praying he was f- over 5'11". He also went in the third round. Like yeah. Zach Wilson, if he's six foot even, is people projecting him to go two overall. I, that's six foot even and relies over- on athleticism. This overcompensation of short quarterbacks, it's like it's starting to get a little risky. We'll, uh, we'll keep that one in the back pocket for later in the week. But uh, all right, those are the receivers. All right, John, Daniel Jeremiah will read some of what he wrote, uh, NFLnetwork.com, NFL.com. He made a list of best fits for particular quarterbacks, and he had the Jets drafting Zach Wilson. So that means what's up with Sam Darnold. I'll read you some of what he wrote. I believe Darnold would play well next season if he were to stay in New York or go to San Francisco. Both teams won, run the QB-friendly Shanahan offense. But the best thing for him might be to get a fresh start with a new team closer to the West Coast. The level of compensation for such a trade would let us know whether he's being given the starting job or if he needs to beat out Jimmy Garoppolo in a competition. Remember, Adam Schefter, who was on this podcast, said he thought like a late first, ultimately, or early second, is what it could take to get Sam Darnold. Well, I think it's fair to say the late first is off the table. Like, that's not happening at this point in time now. Because if he had a late first, people would have been all over him and he would have been traded for. Like, I, I just don't envision that taking place. I'd say a second-round pick of any sort of early, late, middle, whatever, is probably still on the table. Though, I, I do think the way the quarterback market played out, I'd want... Like, where is he really going? <laughs> right? Like... Yeah, Bears are Saints off the table. For him. Saints are trading for him. Saints don't have a spot. I just don't really see I just don't really see a spot. You know? I mean, in a weird way, this is I'm jumping ahead several steps, you know, Houston. Uh if something, you know, depending on where these things go with Deshaun. Just but they don't really have any picks to give them. Right? Yeah. You're talking if it's a second rounder. Yeah. 
I don't know. You're right. So they're kind of in a tough spot. Um, I mean, could the Niners, I have a hard time trading a third round pick for a guy to then, even if you kept Jimmy to have that situation, that feels a little, a little haphazard, a little Philly Jalen hurts Carson. Like it just gets weird fast and you just, it's so easy to say, be a pro handle like a pro suck it up. And it's like, yeah, it's easy to say with guards and centers and wide receivers, I think with the quarterback thing, when the guy literally has to lead your team, it becomes a little more complicated. Um, I, I don't think I could ha- I could acquire Sam Darnold, and I'm not saying that Sam Darnold's better than Jimmy. I, 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 I think the Niners have a serious problem, and I think their serious problem is this: the the L.A. Rams are in Super Bowl mode, and they they were way better, you know, to start to finish on a season than you last year even though you kicked their ass, but and we've talked about this, and, and you always bring up the point, like a huge part of the reason you were kicking their ass is now gone. Like he, they Golf. ate Jared Goff for lunch. They've only played Matt Stafford once since Kyle's been here, and remember, the Niners barely won that game. They actually should have lost. Jimmy threw a pick six. It was like came back on a defensive holding right. call or something. Shout but out to my like, Uber driver that day who, who thought who at that time identified Jimmy as a guy that he had to get rid of. It was ahead of the curve. <laughs> but the Rams are in Super Bowl mode, and they've upgraded. Like, they're really good, and that's who you're chasing. And as long as Russell's still there, Seattle's really good. So, like, you got a quarterback problem. Jimmy's reliability, he's just not trustworthy. And then, like, Sam, to me, would just be ability. Like, is he good enough? Like, it's why that I, I still think, and this is going to be a talking point, really, we're we're a little over a month away from the draft. So uh, a shitload can trade that night, right? I mean, the, the fortunes of the Niners. I was thinking about this today. Can you imagine some of the talking points around like people that talked about the Chiefs the year of the Mahomes draft, like right now? Like, oh, there's going Alex Smith again. This is the same old thing. We're so close. We have a legit team. If we just upgrade the quarterback and then things can change. It's why I'm not going to say like for sure, they're not going to be able to upgrade the quarterback position because it can change draft night with one trade. But as of right now, they are at a disadvantage. Uh, and, and I think that they are looking up at the other two teams above them. And the one team that we, we saw the last two years, they really handled the Rams. I just I, I can't say that anymore because the, the weak link is gone. Yep. Yeah, and the, the other part of this, the other reason you I don't think you can acquire Darnold as Jimmy's backup, even though he's how much is he making this year? Four and a half, four, four, seven. Okay, cash. that's reasonable, fine. But like you said, you couldn't trade a third rounder and do that because you, you, like, are you going to acquire him and not pick up his fifth year option? Deadline May third, eighteen million dollars. Because if you acquire him and Jimmy's still there, you can't pick up Darnold's fifth year option because then you're saying either, okay, Jimmy, we still want you to beat out Darnold this year, but you're going to be gone next year because we can't pay the two of you forty. Probably fifty million dollars, yeah. whatever that would be, right? Not quite fifty, but probably close. Forty. So we can't do that. But we're going to acquire this guy for a third round pick and then not protect ourselves. I, it just to me, he's got to be your starter if you get him. Because you got to. I think you got to pick up the the. You got to pick up the fifth year option unless you trade a fifth or a fourth round pick for him. Then you don't have to do anything. But it doesn't. Yeah. I mean. They're going to know I, that you I'm don't just, have options. I, 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 I'm out of the Sam Darnold deal. Now, like with Stafford, the more I think about it, I, I just don't think that's enough. Well, there's 
to me, the only way you can do Darnold is if you're convinced that he can be really good, like top 15 quarterback in the NFL next year. If you're not convinced of that, then you're spinning your wheels. Yeah, and I don't think they're convinced. They couldn't be. They would already trade it for him. And who knows? I mean, there there is a decent chance as of right now. Here's the thing. Daniel Jeremiah and Joe Douglas worked together for a decade in Baltimore. They are very close. Uh, very, very close. Like best friends. So I I think he has Scouting some inclination that, that they like Zach Wilson. I just wonder what Sam Darnold... Like if I could acquire Sam Darnold for like a fourth round pick, I would do that in a heartbeat. Just because the value is there. And then I could just have him as my backup and figure it out later. But if I get up anything second day, like, nah, I, I just... Yeah, you couldn't do it not, third. Not, n- but not as saying, long as Russell Wilson's still there and Matt Stafford's there. I'm just... I'm, I'm the, and the, I mean, the Rams do have... Or I mean, the Cardinals have a lot of talent. You're saying fourth-round pick, and then you don't have to pick up his fifth-year option. You just see how it plays out. Yeah, it's just a low-flying risk, yeah. right? It, yeah. It'd be a type... To me, fourth-round picks are the really good deals you get at the trade deadline for a guy that's going to be free agent, right? It's like, oh, you just traded for so-and-so for a fourth-round pick. Like, okay, you guys only going to be there for six games. I can do that, especially just get the guy around and then maybe you can decide, but I can't like if teams are willing to give a second round pick, like, I'm sorry. I just, but back to the original point, who's giving the Niners don't have a backup quarterback right now like that. They're kind of in no man's land. That's why I think as long as they don't have a backup quarterback, I, 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 I'm, I think they're still preparing to take a big swing on something. They don't have a backup quarterback. And you and we've learned like Jimmy Garoppolo needs a backup quarterback, right? Like that's like part of his package. It's like, How hey, is that connected to taking a big swing in your mind? What? How is that connected to taking a big swing? Well, because if if Jimmy was one hundred percent going to be on the team, you would have been aggressive in signing one of these guys. Maybe you give three or four million to Trubisky. Maybe you oh one of those guys. Yeah, four yeah, and yeah. A half, I, I follow you. Know? Yep. But as long as you're just leaving your options open, I think they because I think right now their options are completely open. And says, "Oh yeah, Jim, we love Jimmy. Keep hey, uh, Peter Schrager. Could you give another positive tweet about Jimmy? We'd appreciate. Oh, Schefter, you got us. Yeah, okay. Because Joe Flacco, the Joe Flacco's aren't going anywhere. If you need a backup in two months, no. And I also think that people's natural reaction about a Joe Flacco thing. Joe Flacco's agent, I'm sure, is very powerful. Joe, you know." Like at this point in time in his career, like, hey man, can you just bring this guy in? And you can see where did he go? He went to the Niners, then he went to the Eagles. Like it's just there's a way business is done in the league. It doesn't mean the Niners really want Joe Flacco. And maybe they end up signing him, but I there are favors done to just keep the the train rolling with all your players, right? But also, even if they like Joe Flacco as their backup quarterback, I, okay. Fine. Whatever. Yeah, it can't it can't be worse than what they had. No. Now I I think if you're them too, you probably don't love it though. I I personally don't. No, but what back? What which one? Yeah, I would love Trubisky. I would have loved that as the backup. But by nature, no backup is actually. You don't actually love the backup. Yeah. If if you're consumed with your backup, like I think part of the reason the Saints were consumed with Jameis as the backup because it was like, could he be our starting quarterback? Right. Once yeah. Drew retires. In the Niners situation, it's like, well, what happens when Jimmy misses his seven games? Well, it's like, you're probably screwed. That's why, to me, Jimmy's got to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're going to de- draft Davis Mills, John. I, I do so think... he misses 10? He, who misses 10? Davis Mills. Well, he's played in 11, so uh, yeah, he, hasn't, he, has, he has missed a lot of games in his career. I'm out on mid-round quarterbacks as well. 
Just go up and take a big swing. Just do pull a Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying any of these guys are Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying have that mindset. Yes. Like, say what you want about Ryan Pace. He missed on the right player. I do commend the mindset. He approached it the right way. He just picked the wrong and, guy out of the three. Yeah. And, and again, in retrospect, if we all take ourselves back to that world, there was a lot of agreement that Mitchell Trubisky was the top quarterback in that draft. I saw someone in Chicago tweeted out a, a screenshot of McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, and like... Mayock. Matt Ma- and Mayock. Mayock had him. He... He was number one on every single list. I don't get every what, single one. Yeah. I'll have to go now, back and check. Now, my list. pushback is always, I don't give a fuck. Like Ryan Pace, what the media thinks is irrelevant to you, right? It's cool for us to talk about it now, but it's like you were paid to be right. Yep. I would have a rule for my scouts. Like you don't read Daniel Jeremiah's big, big board. Like we have somebody that does it. And if there's any information we need, we'll filter that information into our reports. But I can't have you looking at Mayock's board. Because now it's you start hard, thinking bro. about what the public that you just I can't have that you know it's like on some offices like you can't access porn websites. Mom would be like, I can't get to Max Big Board. They got it blocked. <laughs> You're like, I can watch you porn, but I can't look at DJ Top Fifty. <laughs> All right, uh, geology. John, let's tell the people about geology.com/ham. Get forty percent off your first purchase of a trial set of geology.com/ham. Let's get this personalized. Skincare routine for all you fellas up to speed. Yeah, guy. I mean, I got oily skin. So sometimes after I work out, I get really sweaty as well. I need to exfoliate. It's something I've done a lot of research on. Exfoliating is very, very good for you. It gets off the dead skin cells. That's why Geology sent me some Desert Cedar Exfoliator. It's a little cleanser two-pack as well. I have sensitive skin. Send me a sensitive face cleanser two-pack. So I can exfoliate after workouts and then just like I get up in the morning, want to take a shower, just use a little light wash, you know, because I, I got my head as well, too. So you got to wash the whole dome, the whole cabeza. <laughs> and uh, I, can, I can't recommend them enough. I can't geology, G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E. Go check it out. Geology. Face wash. And how did uh, geology know what John needed? He took the quick diagnostic online uh, questionnaire as I did. Boom, bang, boom. You get some results. They go in the lab dermatologist design regimen ready for you in a quick amount of time and they mail it right to your door uh more than three thousand five-star reviews given best of grooming awards from esquire men's health and ask men written about in rolling stone mashable and buzzfeed geology.com slash ham to get started geology.com slash ham get you 40 percent off your first trial set do it now geology.com slash ham we wondered recently whether or not the Raiders were messing with Marcus Mariota, whether they had injured his ability to sign somewhere else as a free agent, asked him to pay, take a pay cut, other backup quarterback signed. You know what? As it turns out, this was actually a good piece of business by the Raiders. Mariota re-signs with the Raiders for $3.5 million. He can earn another $4.5 million through incentives. Um, and he's back. He couldn't find the money elsewhere, so he came back to the Raiders. What do you think? Well, I mean, couldn't find the money elsewhere – he never was not on the team. Uh, I mean, I would say they successfully squeezed him. You know, I mean, he was under contract the entire time. Now, he basically capitulated to their demands by signing this deal, $3.5 million. But to me, I, I, I still go back to this. I just looked up Jameis's contract. Remember, it was just five or whatever years ago that those two guys went one to. Jameis' very similar deal 
got $5.5 million, $4.5 guaranteed at signing with the ability to make up to 12. The difference is Jameis is going to start, right? So I bet Jameis is some of his incentives, if he just plays well and they have success, will be relatively easy. If Jameis, if you tell me Jameis plays 17 games next year on a team that's loaded, I bet I bet he makes over 10 million bucks. Mariota, it, this year, he would not have played if Derek doesn't hurt himself scrambling to the right against the Chargers on Thursday Night Football. Like, it's hard to make incentives when you don't play. I, I just, I'm a little shocked on this one, guy, that Andy Dalton, who two years ago was worth $3 million, then played for the Cowboys and was average at best to below, just got $10 million. And these two guys, because I think right now, if, if, if me and you co-owned a team, we co-owners, we're like Jerry Jones, also the GM. I might take my chances with Mariota or Jameis. No, I would rather have Mariota or Jameis, but specifically Mariota than Andy Dalton. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe that's just, I, I don't pretend to be Bill Walsh here, but I, I, I'm a little confused by the, uh, the, the quarterback market. I'm not going to lie. I don't quite get it. I would have Jameis number one, clear cut, first of all. I'd agree. Okay. How, how does Jameis Winston, now, it, it behooved him to go to the Saints, play well. I, I understand it. He's made a lot of money. And maybe, the, you know, Andy's made a lot of money, too. He, someone gave him $10 million bucks. No, no, I just mean for Jameis, it, might, it made sense for him because he's made a lot of money. What is best for my career? Backing up Drew Brees for a year is best for my career. Maybe it was but also But even this year, like, I, I would, if I was the Bears, I would rather have Jameis. Now, it reported they were all over. He wanted to go back to the Saints. Yeah, that's I'm what just I'm saying. saying He'd like, rather, if, if you're him, I'd take less money to play for the Saints. I, I agree. I, I just, I, I'm just, I'm a flummoxed by the quarterback market. Well, I, I think these guys, just their talent level, they are flawed. We, we're seeing the last several years what the Glennons, what the Daltons, Fitzpatrick, who was really good last year, has had some ups and downs, guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, so maybe that was part of the Raiders deal, right? If maybe the Bears would have given Marcus Mariota more money than they gave Andy Dalton, if they could have. But to your point, they couldn't have because the Raiders kept... They did not cut him. He, I mean, not when I say he knows what was out there, it's because I think he had to know, his agent had to know, was somebody else going to pay him $7 million? Otherwise, I'm not agreeing to this pay cut. You can cut me because you're going to have to, and I'll go sign with the Patriots, right? So yeah, clearly no that's naming him a starter. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you as it relates to Andy. As it relates to Mariota and the Raiders, it's fa- it turns out fantastic for the Raiders. Derek... Derek got if you hurt can, last if you year. can have a three million dollar backup quarterback for sure. Marcus really gave him a chance to win, and uh, he's also now. I don't know. I mean, how much of a trade asset can we really view him as? Because again, if somebody was going to pay him seven million dollars, his agent would have known that, and he wouldn't have taken the pay cut with the Raiders. But you never know what happens. Somebody gets hurt, Bing, Bang, Boom, and all of a sudden you've got a quarterback you can get a third round pick for. Or this, I would just tell his agent, hey, they're offering you what, three and a half? We'll give you four, seven, five. Demand to get cut. You won't take their deal and we'll pay you. Why would we trade for you? Well, trade, it, trade. I'm talking, you know, it's September no, I, and somebody gets hurt. Well, I, I, I'm not. I saw it on Twitter that, you know, he becomes a more tradable asset. Now, what if a team wanted him and was interested in him, even as a backup quarterback, and they would have known what the Raiders were offering because we knew. Remember, they wanted him to take a $7 million pay cut. It turned out it was 6.5 that he ended up taking, right? Because he was going to make 10. Now he makes 3.5. That someone, if they wanted him, and if someone's going to trade for him, especially I, I saw on the during the draft time, 
they would have just said, no, I'll just, we'll pay you that or we'll pay you a little more. Right. But what, I think my guess is what that person, what that tweet, what, here's why I agree with the tradable asset is in, you know, September, October, somebody gets hurt. Now, if you could get somebody's desperate, they'll give you a late, potentially third round pick or something like that for Mariota. I, maybe a fourth. Doesn't feel like a third would be in play. I'm just saying, I, I understand it. But the biggest thing is you've just got a second year quarterback here in your system who showed that when he played, he was solid last year for three and a half million dollars. Like that's just to me for I under, all the I undersold him actually. He was due ten seven five. So I mean he took a massive took pay a big cut. pay cut. Yeah. It's just to me, of all the things that we've talked about with the Raiders and questionable decisions, this is a major win by this is good this was good business by the Raiders. This was a win by them for sure. You know? But I I would say this. It's a win with a guy that doesn't play. Now, it's an asset, so I, I, I'm not going to try to diminish what they pulled off. But like the win and loss with Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, guys that play every fucking game, this is a guy that it's really, to me, a backup quarterback is is just a contingency plan. It's like paying for insurance, which is good to have if you get in a wreck. But you, a, a lot of teams, and the Raiders are a good example with Derek go the whole year without getting in a wreck. Now, they had a little one last year. Uh they ended up losing the game. But by that time, remember, the, the playoffs were, it was already over. Yeah. I, I just think that it's not like, it's not like they pulled this off with a starter. I, and I'm not trying to talk shit. No, no, no. You're, you're saying, a hater. it's just, let me, if, let me say it this way and you tell me if this is what you're saying. It, you, we don't get to say like, well, they screwed up Gabe Jackson, but they nailed Mariota. So, it, wash. Yeah. One, one guy plays, the other guy doesn't. Now, here's where they will get credit. If they are, in your scenario, a guy goes down and they can flip him. I have a hard time. I mean, someone would have to be really desperate. If you liked him enough to give a third-round pick. No, but even a fourth-round pick, that means you liked him. Unless you have no money, but then how would you have money once the season was around the $3.5 Because you would need the cap space to trade for him. I feel like he's just going to be on the team, don't you? Like He's just going to be their backup quarterback. Because I, I don't know if you're them. Unless you get something good, like really good, right? Like a third round pick. Why would you trade away your backup quarterback? Who's your good back? Who you like in late September, early October? You wouldn't as the games are getting important. Unless unless you're, you know, one and six. One, one thing I think they realized, and clearly Mariota, you know, his market must not have been great because he had to take this. They wildly overpaid Mariota last year. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I mean that the, the backup you market take for Teddy Bridgewater turn it into a negative. Out of boy, but, but these hater. Are just these are just the facts. No, no, you're right. It's a good point. It's a good point. We thought when they where did it, Rodney Hudson and Gabe, you had teams willing to take them, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean Rodney, they got a third. Gabe, even Gabe got a fifth. Like those guys are tradable. Why? Because they're starting good players. Can't believe Andy play quarterback kids because even when you, I mean, even the lowest points of your career, you still make three and a half million bucks. I know. <laughs> I can't believe Andy got ten at the. I guess last year was the lowest point he got. What did he get last year? Like two and a half, two and a half or three. Yeah, but I'm sure he hit some incentives because he ended up starting a bunch of right, games. Right, right. right. Yeah. Wow. Well, again, this is good for the. We'll talk about some other things. This is good for the Raiders. Kenyon Drake is. Hot on fire. He scored 18 touchdowns in his last uh, eight, 14, I guess, 29 games. No, he played eight games for Arizona. So he scored 18 touchdowns in his last 23 games. That's pretty good. 
It's a good ratio guy. He, Anytime that you can approach a one to one ratio for games to touchdowns is a is a good production. They say in the business. Last year was ten touchdowns in fifteen games for the Arizona Cardinals, and John Gruden gave him eleven million dollars, eleven and a half, eleven guaranteed. Um, we were looking back. Credit to Mike Mayock. You told me Mayock had Kenyon Drake on his big board in twenty sixteen. 74th overall and he got drafted 73rd overall so Mayock nailed that one I will say this guy every time I look at doing research on a player that the Raiders acquire and you just type in 2014 2017 Mayock big board he's usually pretty good and I think this speaks to as we'll get into Kenyon Drake just the disconnect of like we have a lot of evidence of Mike unlike Gruden it was more I would say less tangible it was just a lot of talking like we just he liked everybody right it wasn't like he was doing a big board of his top 150 players by no means was he doing that he didn't have to because he was such a tv star mayock was putting his name on lists which is what scouts and general managers have to do and every time i go back and look i like guy his number one interior defensive line like he was all over deforest buckner which isn't that crazy but He's just all over good players. Do you have and do you have Max 2016? What big board do you have right now? I have his right now. I have his final. You know how he did like the top five rankings for every player mm. or every position. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I for what year clicked off the big board and I just went 2016. His top five players at every position. Okay, who's uh? Let's see. Let's find one that might be a little. Who's his top? Who are his top three? Give me his top tackles in order. Do you have that? Yes, he has Laramie Tunzel. Okay. Really good, right? Yep. Ronnie Stanley, okay. pretty good. Jack Conklin, yep. We got paid. Uh, Taylor Decker, mm-hmm. I think he got some banged up, but he got paid too. And then a guy I've never heard of, Willie Beavers. Okay, so look, those are the top four guys. And he had Laramie one. Ronnie went one, as we know. Conklin went second, and then Laramie went. And then a few rounds, a few picks later, Taylor Decker went. How about. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're talking about Kenyon Drake. Give me, give me safety. Who's his top safety that year? This one actually might be easy. There's only one safety taken in like the first. Uh, 60 Carl picks. Joseph. Wait, what? Carl Joseph, 2016. He had Carl Joseph as number one safety in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, where he? Go? I didn't expect in the that te- in the teens, right? To the Raiders. Yeah. Who do you have second? Keanu mean, Neal. Yeah. Okay. All right. On, but he, he, but I'll, uh, like, he had Dak Prescott five and Connor Cook and Paxton Lynch. So I'm not saying he's perfect. But ultimately, the, the difference is doing that exercise is you're just all positions are equal, right? You're just going top five at every position. You're not balancing like, well, quarterback is infinitely more important than safety. You're just listing the ranking. I think we have evidence that running back is devalued in the sense of it's hard to get a good one. Like you get a Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara, for example, or Christian McCaffrey. Those guys got paid, and I don't really have an issue with it. The the Packers, Aaron Jones, they drafted in the middle of the draft, I think fourth or fifth round. They extended him. And when you look at the contract, they basically gave him a one-year $13 million deal. Now his contract's like four years, 48, and people are like, oh my God, well, the guaranteed money is not that crazy. They used their picks on... Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, who now make a combined guaranteed money. Amari got 60, Khalil got 90, and I don't think either team has regretted it. That you used one of those picks on Josh Jacobs, and then you get Josh Jacobs, and I think everyone who's watched the Raiders go, yeah, he's one of their top three or four players. He's good. You nailed the pick. 
Like, it was like, should you have to Josh Jacobs that high or not? Whatever. He's fucking good. He can catch the ball. He can run inside. He can run outside. His one knock is he gets banged up because he, like, runs too hard. Like that's, it's not like, you know, he's just bad hammies. No, it's like he gets hurt because he runs into people. Then, like last year, and we were doing some research. We're like, well, I wonder who he liked the year before. And it was Devin Booker he had uh, actually on, in this class. He had Devin Booker rated way above Kenyon Drake. And who did they sign last year? Devin Booker. Why? I mean, you and I watch a lot of Pac-12. Devin Booker was really good in college. Didn't he get hurt toward the end of his career at Utah? Because I remember thinking, like, this guy might go in, like, the second round. He got he had an injury, and it. he's just... But he's going to go on to have... I bet when the dust settles, you're like, damn, Devin... Or, Devon, excuse me, Devontae Booker. You'll be like, Devontae Booker played nine years in the league? Like, that's what's going to happen. And Kenyon Drake, who... It's just a much different player. And I, I, I believe in balancing your running units, right? You want Josh Jacobs is like having, I'm not saying he's this good, but like having a Marshawn Lynch type, just having like a pound it. Like we'll just, right. we can go for, because Josh Jacobs has those 90 yard games. You're like, God damn, that guy dominated. And that's what an old school, big physical back. Kenyon Drake is much more. You can spread it out. You can throw it to him on wheel routes. You can give it to him on pitches. So I get liking the player. They gave $11 million when one of the best players on your team who you gave a first-round pick who after this season you're going to pick up his fifth-year option, you, Like I, I just think you would use that money on all these other holes and then just go find another Devontae Booker, right? But John, I would imagine, loves this guy because why on tape, he's you scoring do, he's 18 getting, touchdowns you can do, you can in 23 games. You can do a bunch of games. stuff with him, yeah. Also, well, couldn't maybe I find you're just that guy in like to the have second worse, round? Maybe you're planning to have a worse offensive line. Let me get me a running back that can make some plays. Not that the Cardinals' offensive line was terrible. So you you would rather just be like, let's skim on the offensive line and spend more on running backs? 1,000% I would not. (laughs) I just wonder if that's part of the thinking. Is This is our situation. And again, I I bet Raiders fans like middle guy are just hating. I'm not. I think Kenyon Drake is good. Like he has really resurrected his career, especially with Cliff. Well, when I watch Cliff's offense, it's a pretty spread it out offense. John's offense is a little more old school. Which it yeah, works. but have like but but there, I do think a quarterback. I I do think there might be some match there with Derek and this guy and Kenyon Drake, as the scouts wow. like to say. This player, just throw it on wheel routes. And yeah. Stuff. Again, I I don't mind the fit. I I understand. I just the amount of money they gave him, and part of it, like if it was a no salary cap league, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But part of it is like, where are you? Well, they're getting rid of offensive linemen. They still have all these holes on defense. A uh, 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 part of the Raiders team that no one's talking about, the amount of pressure that is going to be on their first couple draft picks, who I'm sure are going to be on defense, is going to be high. Like they're going to draft a middle linebacker, like pick 19 or wherever they're at. And that guy, every play is going to be like, oh, this guy's not good enough. Plus, right? Rugs is going to have a ton of pressure on him as if he's a rookie again. And the new center is going to be like, oh, this guy's. And Derek sacks. might literally have pressure on him coming from the defense. <laughs> You're saying from the defense he's playing. That's right, because of his off, because there's pressure on this offensive line now. And who would you say is a guy that of a, of all the good quarterbacks who looks dramatically different when he's just under pressure, like in the league? Derek can look unreal. Yeah, when he's just like most good quarterbacks, like Mahomes looks normal no matter what. Derek really benefits when his offensive line is playing well. And you can be like, Middlecoff, of course he's a quarterback. I'm saying like, yeah, he kind of wilts under the pressure. We all know that. And even Raider fans are the first to admit that. And now you get rid of two of his stalwarts, especially the guy up the middle. Now you got this new center. 
the big part of that is the run game. And it's like, oh, I'm getting these things like PFF, the Raiders' offensive line wasn't as good. I'm not saying they are these all-world offensive line, but the chances that Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson's replacement are as good as those two guys, to me, is slim to none. And you're trying to now chasing a replacement when you just had those guys. That's what I can't quite understand. Because if you were to use that money on drafting another or you you know on another player at a position that's hard to get i would understand it but they they kind of looks like they used it on a running back i know it's it's which this would be the position you'd probably cross off as not at the top of your need list um but their offense might be better for it now not better than it was going to be if they had re-signed their offensive lineman or kept their not even re-signed kept their offense might be better for it you know, like I you think they're, I don't know. I, I think how many good offensives, how many good team, how many top offenses in the league have poor offensive lines? I'm not saying they're going to have a poor no, offensive No, no, no. Yeah, I wouldn't do that swap. No, I'm not saying their offense will be better than last year's offense. I'm just saying their offense is better today than it was the day before they signed Kenyon Drake. I, I, I was thinking about this with uh, Kenny Galladay and the Giants, and we talked about the receivers. If you had all this money to give, why didn't you go sign like whoever the top offensive? Your offensive line sucked. Trent Williams, but even if he, you didn't have, you couldn't get him. Just sign the top guard, a Thuni, a Corey Lindsley, a center. Chiefs. But I'm just saying, sign one of those. Use all that money. I know. Like you could have paid more. Yeah. Instead, and then draft a wide receiver just like this. Use this eleven million dollars allocated somewhere else, and then use like a third round pick on a Kenyon Drake. Who you? By the way, your GM. We're looking at this Drake. And Booker, we've seen Mayock's big boards. He knows what a good running back in the fourth round looks like, right? That's where we're talking. That's, that's the a, point. That's where those type guys usually go. Yeah. So he know, like I know your GM knows how to find a, a running back, not in the first or second round. I think it's just a huge part of the sport of football now is, and this is my biggest knock on Gruden, because I'm not necessarily knocking on him for Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake's good. I enjoy watching him. I think he's a difference-making player. But to build the proper football team is about understanding and having a vision on how you want to allocate your resources. And I think everyone has to admit now, it's not really debatable that I don't know if John Gruden doesn't have a vision. His vision changes year to year. Like he's just like that. That's just his team building philosophy is based on what happened the previous year. Not like, you know, when coaches say I I had a set vision on based on my previous experience, this is what I was going to go with, this is what I want to look with. Now, like any human being in any industry, you can pivot a little bit, but I don't think John has some set vision. I, I just well, can't it believe feels, it because I've just I've watched it so closely how he's built this team. It's all over the map. Yeah, it, and and it feels like you just go into every year with how do we win this year, and then next year how do we win this year, which is understandable on one hand because the NFL is about winning now. But what happened this year does not seem to affect what happened last year from a personnel standpoint and what happened last year. Because a huge part of it, though, was blowing it up to reset it. And it was like then to have this big vision. And then he just clearly didn't have a big vision. Right. Which is, to me, the craziest part about John Gruden and the lore of John Gruden is all those years and all that time he spent at the little office in Tampa, Florida that he rented out and he had those guys come over to. And all the time he spent meeting with coaches and all the time... I'm not even talking about Monday Night Football. I'm talking about clearly he was an addict, right? He would go to coaching conferences in the offseason. He would speak at all the SEC schools. But he was just becoming this legend of, like, God, Gruden's just everywhere, fucking learning and gaining all this knowledge. 
And I knew people like Alabama where he'd spend a lot of time. And you'd be like, God, he's just, he's going to have this bulletproof plan. Clearly, Saban got to Alabama, had a plan, right? Like, I'll give Kyle's come to San Francisco and has had a plan. Now, it doesn't mean everything is going to work. McVay, they have a plan. I feel like, I don't think John Gruden, the craziest part about John Gruden, I just don't think there's a plan. And maybe there is a plan at the, at the end, like you said, at the end of the season for that offseason. Right. But it, 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 there's zero, zero carryover of what previously happened. I wonder if having a 10-year contract affects that in any way. Like but if you have a, I, He's so rich, guy. Why would he even have been worried? Like, he waited no, all this time. No, not worried, but just... Well, first of all, I think what you described, don't you think all the most of the time gets spent when coaches get together? It's about, like, let's drop some plays and let's coach quarterbacks. It's not about... How do we build our roster over three years? Like, I don't get the sense that's what Mike McCarthy was doing in his bunker when he did the bunker thing, right? Um, yeah, Gruden's inclination would be driven toward the whiteboard more. Yeah, to let's watch like some quarterback film board. and let's just. Yeah. How do you, wait, how do you rank your guards? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about how you uh, filter through the practice squad special team guys. Yeah. What's your philosophy on arm length? So do you're you, right. Like, wait, how do you run the button hook on this play? Do you you're think right. if I yeah. draft a running back I, within the next three years, I should spend $10 million on another running back? Right. Like that conversation. Well, wouldn't you argue or wouldn't you argue is the wrong word? Wouldn't you assume? Let's use another example of a guy that just entered the league. I would be floored if Urban Meyer haven't hasn't had those type conversations over the years. And maybe that's different when you're a college the coach. The question is, does his team. college vision, does that translate to how you build an NFL team? But he, but I, I would say this for Urban Meyer. He's he's going to have a vision on what it looks like. I remember seeing with Pat yeah. working for Pat Hill. He was obsessed, and at, part of this is just college. You're the GM. Was just always working the board. Like I, I just don't feel like Gruden. Gruden, you're right. Well, is more inclined to go to the whiteboard. College coaches and, are some of them are closer to GMs than they are head coaches, right? One hundred percent. Urban Pat. Um, so maybe they are more. I, I'd say I'd say always in a weird way, and you have to have plans because you're always balancing scholarships over four year, five year windows, right? So you do have to plan. Yeah, well, because you'll hear it all, hear it all the time. Well, Utah didn't. I've talked about it. Utah didn't take Zach Wilson. Well, yeah, because just into, they had a, they had another guy coming in, and so they were planning for this year out. And of course, they like Zach Wilson, but it didn't fit. I talked to a coach the other day. It was basketball. They had a player transfer into their program from another power five program who was from their area right so it's like john middlecoff is from sacramento or let's pick a place that has a major john middlecoff's from seattle and then but he went to nebraska but then he transferred back to uw what's the deal well the story i got from somebody was like well we recruited that player but we didn't have a scholarship for him we wanted them to walk on but they had full power five scholarship offers so they took that but then they're in the portal so they came back to us right like you have to have a big picture plan to fit all that stuff together in college it's a lot of administrative work. But you don't think there's a big picture plan in the NFL with the money and the cap? Yeah, No, of course. I'm just saying to your point on Urban, it makes sense that Urban would have that thought. And it makes sense that that is not what Gruden spent his time on. But if you think about it, the way Gruden failed in Tampa, like a big part of it would have been like, Gruden, you're going to be a good play caller. You're going to understand offense. You need to learn the other stuff. You need to learn whenever you're going to come back, you're going to get all the power wouldn't you spend the time learning what you're bad at? And I think it's clear that maybe he did, but he he's forgotten it all. The other part of it is I think he hired a good GM in terms of player evaluation. Now, it's hard for us to really know who likes what, but... I, but I'm looking at it. He had a, a, his top three tight ends or top two tight ends, Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper. Here's the thing we don't uh, know about him, though. Mayock. 
we know we can evaluate players, but is that the same as, you know, every draft year, he's just, we're evaluating this draft. That's different than building a four-year roster. And, and I don't know that Mike going to be in free agency. Yeah, there's a lot more that goes along with it. One thing Mayock never had to worry about, right, in his NFL.com role, or in, and, and I just remember hearing this from people at NFL Network, it's like, you know, Mike doesn't really have to watch the lock into the NFL. He just focuses on the draft. Like, I, But he would need like to know who people, what teams need, right? Yeah, but it's just pretty, like, he, he they send him that type, just basic stuff. I mean, but he didn't have to know, like, the free agent class, like, the, the salary cap. Like, there are elements of, it's just, uh, there's, this Gruden experiment has just been bizarre. And that's, I think, what it would be called. Like, it's been an experiment that's still ongoing. And I think if you're higher four years in, it's still called an experiment. You got a problem. He's 19 and 29. Yeah, you. you it's they haven't gone to the playoffs. It's generous. It's not really. It's, cool. it, if it wasn't John Gruden, we probably wouldn't call it an experiment. Yeah, we'd call it a. a we'd say train it's not wreck. working. Yeah, haven't gone to the playoffs also insinuates that they've ever been close, and they really haven't. <laughs> That's true too. Butcherbox.com/slash/ham and another special deal: free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught Seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done. Uh, can you set up are you, the the uh, the WGC 
WGC, we're going to dive in. I can't wait to watch golf on Wednesday. What, uh, can you just yeah, explain this real quick? You explained it so to you me have, earlier. You have pods. So you have 16 pods of four, and you play each other. So they used to have just the top 64, right? One through 64, and then you would just be ranked kind of like the NCAA tournament. The problem is in golf match play, Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, whoever your top guys, you can easily lose at any round, right? It'd be like it'd be the NCAA tournament, but it's like, oh, Kansas gets two more shots, right, to play three other teams. Like they're not out just yet, right? Or like, oh, Ohio State, let's run it back, because they, they, they don't want Ohio State to go. They don't want Loyola to make a run. They don't want Eric Van Royen to be in the Final Four, which in match play, it's just very possible, you know. And so they got to do these pods, and you got to win basically two of the three of them to advance. And then Saturday and Sunday, you play 36 holes if you keep winning. You play Sweet 16, the Elite Eight on Saturday, and then you go to the Final Four, and you, it's just a lot of golf. It's why, to me, it's not a very bettable event because there's a huge – even if you look at the the odds, like you can get DeChambeau's like 14 to 1. Like it's just – I have to diminish it because he's got to play it's way a, more golf than he would in a normal court. incredible yeah. battle. I don't think you can bet until like the Sweet 16 and then just be like, okay, I kind of like this guy's bracket. This guy's hot, right? Because it'd be easy for like – I'm expecting several of the top guys in their bracket, the DeChambeau's, the Justin Thomas, the John Roms, to just get knocked out. Because you could play well and lose. I'd forgotten somebody – as we're talking about this on the podcast, we just got it tagged in a tweet from Mike Perry who listens to the podcast and he took us out to a Karika golf course a while back. Uh, oh yeah, he <laughs> throw back to Tiger. Remember when Tiger went left-handed from his knees in the bushes? Uh, what was that? Two yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, he he. I was watching some highlights. He beat like Patrick Cantlay. Like two years ago, he was in the Elite Eight or the Final Four, and then I remember like two weeks later, is the Masters. Like he had been playing really well. He was like dialed. He 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 knocked out Patrick Cantlay. He fucking jarred one in from like 150 yards it's kind of sad honestly i watched some of the highlights I'm like god this guy just a couple years ago was like really locked and loaded mm. now granted even if he hadn't gotten the car accident his back was already failing so it's like it might have been over anyway mm-hmm. but i i wonder if he quite real i wonder if he was thinking like i'm playing really well like i'm gonna be able to compete and then his body just it wasn't gonna last that yeah. long kind of sucks but i mean it is what it is uh, the only other thing from the internet uh, on Tuesday as we recorded this, I saw was Ron Zook is the new special teams coordinator at Maryland, and he says it's not special teams. It's called We Fence, which I was when I went back to watch some of the interview with uh, Merton Hanks, and you brought up, you know, we just we love football guys on this show. That is a and Merton appreciated that, John. I think that was good to tell him, just so he knows where he is. But uh, to me, there defense. there is like a, a line though that like a football guy who's kind of nuts like that to me, Ron Zook. It, like that to me is kind of cheesy. I think that's pretty stupid. Like, is that flying if he's coaching Alabama? Like, what are you talking about? Just we fence, baby. Teams. I I think that is so dumb. Now, all that matters is that the special teams guys buy we fence. Special teams guys are a little bit like pitchers. They're just a little different. <laughs> but was Ron Zook always a special teams guy, or did he just? I googled one? his resume. He's been coaching special teams for a long okay, time. Okay, so he is. He is. He kind of yeah, got a that, Harbaugh, kind of a John baby. Harbaugh vibe to me. Yeah, it's, I, I do think once you get kind of famous doing that, it's like how many people truly want to be like special teams coaches, right? 
Yeah, I, mean, I would argue. It's a cra- I would tell some guys like become like start running special teams. You know how much these guys make now? Just no one knows what you're ever doing anyway. Special teams guys, I guess you get fired. Who gave up a bunch of big kick returns last year and got fired? Was the NFL coach? Yeah, there, there was a special teams coach I remember last year. They got fired in the middle of the season in the NFL. I mean, it happens. You get when it looks bad, like there's no fixing it. You just get canned. Yeah. But all you need is like really a, bad. Remember the remember the fake punt on like Sunday or Monday Night Football the Colts attempted so that what, one year with it's Max. It's still P. my favorite. I think it might be one of my favorite videos. <laughs> and the dudes on like Austin Collie like, lines up behind center or something like that. The dudes on defense were like, "What is going? Is this real?" And they just got sacked. And they snapped it. It was like <laughs> it's like two on ten. What are we doing? What was going on? How do you shake that? There is that. There is there is an element like there's never too much time on defense or offense because you're always just like there's tech. There's too much time on punts. Like every once in a while, you'll just be watching an NFL game and they'll try a fake punt. And you're like, what just happened? Well, I think the classic example is the spinning onside kick thing. Like that was invented because somebody had way too much time, and now guys try this kick that in practice. Can somebody please tell me a special teams coach what percent? You used to chart special teams for Bobby April. What percentage of time does that thing work in practice? Well, it can't be high. I, I think the problem is, is that you're looking because the chances of an onside kick is so low. So you're just like, how do we kind of up the chances of just chaotic? But it, it doesn't. I think you'd be better off doing the onside pooch, where instead of onsiding it, yeah. you just kind of do the little looper like 15 yards, then doing the spinny, I don't even know what it's considered. It not only never works, it never comes close. No, to onside kicks are like, we spend all this time, you come out of a timeout in basketball, and it's like, yeah, 80% of the time we shoot an air ball out of when we run this play. I don't get it. We just shoot a bunch of air balls. <laughs> like, most onside kicks are air balls. It, 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 is, it, it is, though, a very, very desperate situation. It is. It is. But, right, but so. I would say, what percentage of kicks don't even just go out of bounds? Like, don't even, or, I, or I, don't go 10 yards, or don't bounce. I would say the out of bounds feels over half. Like I would consider it a if I were charting onside kicks, I would I would count it as successful if it just like was hard for the the defense had to make a play. I'd be like, all right, that was successful. It's you can't oblong spheroid. Some of it's out of your control. Did the defense have to make a difficult play? That's a successful onside kick. I think you could one hundred percent not overthink it and come back to just the basics. Just kick a ball where a guy has to fall on it, right? Yeah. Yep, because have might it bounce out. a couple times and make a guy think. Now I think they would come back. These coaches now have got so good they put Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley out there, and these guys are pretty comfortable catching the ball. Yeah, those guys tend to touch the high pop though. Yeah, it's just you don't see a lot of bobbled balls anymore because they put that guy right in the spot usually, the wide receiver. Top ten jobs for kid. One of them should be special teams coach. <laughs> Well, if they found out, it pays like 750 gurs. You have plenty of time to be a YouTuber on the yeah, side. You, just, you actually just fuck around with the kickers <laughs> and punters 90% of the time. Uh, all right. On that note, we got pro days to watch this week. WGC, uh, have a great week, everybody. Yeah, have a great week. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.